they're expensive. That was a complaint. The price. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. After a few months, you forget how much you paid for them. You're just, <laughs> you're just there. I'm back from an impromptu uh, three-day vacation. Space yeah. trip, right? Space trip, indeed. Went to space camp. No, went to... Boca you joined Chica, Bezos Texas. in the sky, right? Yeah. <laughs> I went to uh, uh, Chica, Texas, South Texas, where SpaceX um, develops their Starship rocket. And they were doing the first ever full stack of their Starship rocket. And um, it's huge. And, and I drove 12 hours there, stayed for 12 hours and watched it happen from a sand dune. And then drove 12 hours back. And uh, it, was, it was a good experience. <laughs> well, anyway, you might, you, might, you might have noticed there's been a bit of a uh, fiasco going on the last... Uh, week or so mm-hmm. the the child safety features so, <laughs> so it's, not, it's, it's not safari it's something else it's no, no no i mean that is a fiasco going on and we did have a uh, ios 15 beta 5 right beta 5 this week uh and it had essentially zero changes to safari so <laughs> I, basically on that one i think uh beta 6 that's what's going to be what's shipping at least as the 15.0 like after beta six, they'll just go in that like thing where they release betas every week with like bug fixes. They're yeah. not going to, you know, overhaul Safari and beta seven, eight, nine, and ten. Well, well, they now have a new splash screen for the new design as, as one of the features. <laughs> so it's they have splash on this beta five. They've splash screens on like every single application. Like yeah, even or, apps or, that haven't been updated. You open the TV app. It's like, did you know you can watch Apple TV Plus here? But, yeah, yeah or, or they have the GDPR equivalent, you know, warning and, and it's, privacy. It, it, yeah, it's yeah. about it's about uh, the, the share. What is it called? Shareware. I mean, that kind of does sound like an Apple service. Yeah. You're not too far off. But. I'm trying to see how, how how long we can stay off of the CSAN topic. No, like, <laughs> I know I know it's not, like, super fun or super, uh, like, product-focused, but it is, like, it is an important thing. And we talked about it, obviously, me and Chance last week, so I'm not going to, like, you know, enumerate all the functionality and stuff again. But just if... Obviously, the immediate re- like knee-jerk reaction was pretty strong by a lot of people, and it didn't really fade away. I'd say, like only I'd say like today is when it feels like finally died down and it's kind of like left the public consciousness. There, there, there was a period where it was just like a, a uh, end of the week announcement kind of thing, and then there were follow-up briefings every day for a little while. It seemed like yeah, that, Apple that doesn't was, normally do this. They had like yeah. a press briefing like four days in a row. Because mm-hmm. they were trying to quell the fire and whatnot, and mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, like, I'll, I'll ask what you think of the whole thing in a minute. But last uh, week, I basically was like pretty positive on the whole thing. I thought it was a good idea, um, and I mostly still stick stick to that assessment. Like, a few things have changed around. I do think they could have handled the communication of the features better, especially the confusion over the iMessage feature and the feature of the CSAM photo scanning, right? Like, they were announced on the same day, but the the lines... Like, Apple's press release was perfectly clear, but, you know, as it got disseminated out into the world, the lines of those features got very blurred and people were getting confused that this one's doing this or Apple's scanning your messages and, you know, this whole this whole Ferrari. So, in retrospect, I'm sure they probably would have done that differently. Maybe, mm. you know, announcing the CSAM thing on its own and then a week or so later announcing the messages thing, like... There's there's ways they could have gone about it, um, but moreover, it's just like the big the big thing that people keep coming up with is like the the rebuttal of why this thing is bad is that theoretically it could apply to right right now it only applies to photos that are going to be uploaded to iCloud right so at that level it's almost academic the scanning's happening on the device but it could happen on the server right and what Facebook Twitter you know, Cloudflare, Google Photos, a- a- Amazon, they all do this CSAM scanning stuff. They just do it on the server side. When the stuff gets uploaded, they just run the hashing things on the server. Uh, you know, Apple historically hasn't... They, 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 It's always been in the terms and conditions that they might do that, but they clearly haven't because if... Like the, the NEC, MEC, like the, the group that kind of manages this stuff um, for like child abuse and things, uh, that like it publishes a report every year about the number of reported cases from each company. And... Apple's for 2020 was like 200 and, you know, Facebook's was like 20 million. And mm-hmm. say what you want about like, uh, you know, 
Facebook and spreading bad information, all that sort of stuff. Clearly, there's more than 200 instances of bad stuff happening on Apple's platforms too across iCloud mm-hmm. and iMessage. They just weren't doing anything about it. Mm-hmm. And now they're doing, you know, they're, do- they're trying to do something, probably encouraged by government pressure. Like maybe someone had like po- poke them on the shoulder and they're like, look, Apple, you're not really doing a, a very good job here of like keeping up your side of the bargain. All these other cloud platforms are doing, you know, all this stuff. They're reporting like in the millions. And here you are as like one of the main like platform vendors of, you know, iMessage or iCloud phones, whatever you want to say. And you reported 200 over the entire year when you've got like an install base of a billion. Clearly something was a bit out of whack. So mm-hmm. I think someone's tapped him on the shoulder or at least like maybe maybe the government, like they Apple hasn't confirmed any of this, but maybe a government like threatened that if they don't like sort themselves out, they're going to impose a law to like compel them to do it. And Apple's like, well, we'll just, you know, leave us alone. We'll get something out there. We don't want you to be influenced by the law. You know, that kind of negotiation probably went on somewhere along the line. Because mm-hmm. I think if in a perfectly isolated environment, Apple would love to just keep the device completely private, completely closed. But the realities of the world are big companies are expected to help out with this stuff. And of course, Apple would like to, you know, Apple's not like showing sympathy to, you know, the criminals or whatever, or the people that, you know, share this material. But they also value the privacy and security of their own devices very, very highly, mm-hmm. which is why they obviously haven't done it on the server for a while. And then they come up with this system which does the scanning on device, and then after you get enough matches, it then reports it off to the authorities. The, so the big the big kind of slippery slope argument is, A, right now it only applies to photos that are inside of iCloud. Theoretically, in the future, Apple could update the software to scan other content. And then the second part is, what if the hash database gets infected with you know, hashes for other material? Like the, a, a good example is like political activism in a country that's... Uh, you know, state controlled and not as dem- democratic as the mm. Western world, right? Like China or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'd say on the first point, it is true that obviously, like, you know, they've done this now, so they, they could expand it to other types of content on the device in the future. They say they're not going to. Uh, you can take them on a word or not, but I think that argument kind of applies to like almost any feature on the phone. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, you could you could say, oh, well, Apple could take this feature and start doing this with it, or they could take all your end-to-end encrypted iMessages and send them off left, right, and center. And like, So I, I, I struggle to like reason with that side of it too much because I feel like it's just like an open-ended rebuttal. You could throw at literally anything. Mm-hmm. And at least if they're doing it on the client, i.e. on the device, rather than off in a server cloud, at least there can be a bit of oversight from like security reaches and stuff. They can at least maybe watch what's going on and if there's all this traffic happening from stuff. You know, maybe it's more conscious than if they just do it on a server which is like mm. the default approach and you do have to remember that the baseline here is iCloud backup where all your content is stored on an Apple server in a form that any government or state actor can subpoena Apple and get access to it right so right. already all of your data is in, is you know assuming you're using iCloud backup is in a form that any government can get access to if they really want to right and hopefully maybe this introduction of the CSAM stuff will allow Apple to like deploy an end-to-end encrypted iCloud backup option where it has the compromise that, yeah, we're going to scan the photos before it gets backed up for, you know, illicit material. And I think everyone would agree that, like, child abuse material is of that category that deserves, like, special attention, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then once, you know, once our on-device completely automated systems have let your content go through, then we'll end-to-end encrypt it, put it on our servers in a form that nobody could get access to. And would an end-to-end solution where there wasn't the scanning going on be slightly more private? I guess it would, but the baseline today is no end-to-end encryption at all. So if you head in that direction, it's only a win. And then the second part of the question is the the thing about maybe the hash database, which is completely opaque, right? Apple doesn't know what those hashes represent. They just have to trust that NECMEC are sending them the right things. Or when they eventually, the system's only launching the US initially, but they're going to roll out to other countries, right? So whichever partner they work with in each country, they just have to trust that that database is, you know, good and actually representative of CSAM material. Um, Apple's safeguards for this are, well, if we were asked to include other types of content, we refuse. And when stuff is flagged, it goes to Apple first for human review before it gets sent off to a government thing. Now, you know, maybe the human review, like that that feels a bit flimsy. And over the last week, I've come up with an idea, which I think is a decent compromise situation, which kind of defends against this. So right now, if if your content gets flagged for, you know, matching the database after the threshold is met, whether it's like 10 instances, 50 instances, the exact number is undisclosed. 
that just gets silently sent off to Apple for notification, and then they'll send it off to NECMEC or whatever to send off to the authorities. Well, if you are worried about this, you know, this database matching things that it shouldn't be, if the system on the device would require that the user was notified when something was flagged, then you would have like ultimate transparency. And if something had gone awry or some state actor was misusing the database, you would know about it because it would flag up. Like if you've got a picture of an LGBTQ flag and suddenly it's like, this is flag material, we're going to send this off to review. You'd know that the hash database was matching things that it shouldn't be because you're getting that transparency as a user. And this was actually asked in a, in a press briefing and Apple's response as to why they don't notify is that their current like privacy policy means they don't retain the data. So theoretically, like say if you are a criminal and you've, you're, you know, you're, you're sharing CSAM content, if you got that notification, you could then just delete all the images and I guess mm-hmm. Apple wouldn't be able to do anything about it. Like that was their answer, but it feels a bit weak to me. Like personally, I feel like they could tweak the policy so that, you know, the, the general data retention rules apply. But if your content is flagged, right, then it's just like marked as frozen or whatever. It can't be deleted yeah, until the human review completes. And then if you're a perfectly law-abiding citizen, there's nothing wrong. Well, it doesn't matter that you can't delete your image for a week or so before while it gets reviewed. But you'll have the peace of mind that the only stuff that's getting flagged is stuff that you know about. So that was my idea. Maybe there's a fool with it, but I can't think of one. So that is something I would like to see like evolve because I think that's like the weakest link in this whole chain. Uh, but otherwise, I think what Apple did is pretty reasonable. Yeah, it is a compromise to some degree because you know it's not nothing's you know it's not ultimate privacy. There is a there is an opening of some degree, but it's not a big it's not a big thing. And the the other arguments that oh well it could get bigger in future. I feel like that part you could apply to almost anything on the phone, whether it's Face ID, Touch ID your information, what you type into the keyboard, like all this stuff that happens currently on device machine learning. If you want to be a nefarious government actor who can like compel Apple to do something, you could just get all of that stuff to be shuttled off to a server. So that kind of argument kind of falls down. Like obviously, if in a year's time, suddenly we find evidence that this is being misused, then that's a different story and you can get mad about it. But at some level, if you're buying an iPhone, you have to trust Apple. So that's kind of where I stand it. So what do you think about all this child safety stuff? Right, well, I'm 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 glad you um, have more opinions than, than me. I, mine mine on this one um, is that it's it's um, I I I would str- I'd struggle to be on the sort of philosophical side, idealistic side that that um, finds the holes in these and says until these things can be addressed, this can't be possible. This could never be possible to do. Um, because I, I just see it as, okay, now, now Apple is doing this. They were not before others were. Um, and I'm, I'm, what interests me more than, than should they or shouldn't they? Because I think the, the, the shouldn't they is, is maybe why weren't they before? It's what, what's pressuring them now at this time to make this change. Why wasn't this how it worked for longer than it, than it will be? What is it coming in? Five, 15.2. They didn't actually say a specific version. They just said like an update later this year. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I, I have uh, not a lot of interest in like exploring the what could go wrong aspects of this. Um, but I think, I think um, you, you, you could apply that sort of the rabbit hole that, that like, like you said, that you could apply that. Well, this could happen. This could happen to, to anything on the iPhone and, and unless you're just offline. Um, I think if you say, you know, um, what if, what if uh, traffic cameras violate my my freedom, you know, because you're being taped and, you know, places like you, you can take that argument to anything unless it's just a, an open, you know, set of land that you live on and there's no one to interact with. And so um, it's it's. Uh, when Apple says that Google and Facebook don't respect your privacy, they don't mean that because they, you know, they scan your photos for, um, for images that, that could lead to, you know, rescuing someone, um, they, they don't mean that's how they're not restricting your privacy. You know, they, there's this all that it's strictly about, you know, using your information for marketing. And, um, and, and so it's, it's, I think the weirdest thing to me here is that they weren't doing this before or sooner or first. Yeah. And like the, if if a nefarious actor, which is where all these slippery slopes like reside, right? right? If they want to spy on people, 
I feel like it's probably even easier ways than this system. Like this system isn't going to stop China from spying if you want to. What two two episodes ago we were just talking about yeah. the Pegasus stuff, right? Yeah. Like Apple is going to do its best, and I think they've shown, you know, through technical explanations, through big long FAQs and stuff, that this system has a lot of safeguards put into it. They haven't just done what everybody else does. They've specifically done something else because they think it, you know, provides an overall more privacy conscious experience, uh, while also, you know, actually addressing the issue of being able to find uh, CSAM content and iCloud photos. And I think there's arguments that they should go even further. And like, why do they even let you take a photo of it in the first place on the iPhone? Why doesn't the camera like refuse? Do you know what I mean? Like, there's there's possibilities that they could even take this further in different ways, maybe down the road. Uh, like there's there are people that, and there are people on that side too. Like there's some people like, "Well, this sounds insane. We don't want to do this at all." And there's other people like, "They should take it even further, right?" Like, and and if it did, and right now it's only an iCloud photo. So if you if you are an iPhone user and you're like completely freaked out by this, and you're like, "I I don't want anything to do with this," right? I but I don't. It's, it'd be unfair to be like, "Well, just sell your phone." But you turn off iCloud photos, the system's disabled, and you can have your complete and. Like it doesn't apply to iCloud backup either. So if it applied to iCloud backup, it'd be a bit more of a like a you know you're kind of trapped because iCloud backup's the only backup thing on the entire device. Whereas iCloud photos, you can turn iCloud photos off. You can back up your photos manually. You can use any other cloud service to back up your photos. Anything that you choose. But I mean, all the other cloud services are already doing this exact same scanning. So I don't really think you've got like you know much of a leg to stand on. But the option is there. So we'll s- this will die down slowly. And then it will surely resurge in November or whatever when <laughs> it actually rolls out as part of fifteen point two. Uh, maybe Apple will have some minor changes to the system, but like to address some complaints or something. But I think overall, it's probably going to ship as advertised, and people just need to get more like educated about the whole thing because mm. it's like the words make it sound scarier than it is, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Like I call it scanning because that's what it is doing, but it's not like a you know people aren't just getting access to your photo library for no yeah. reason, which is what happens when a government requests your iCloud backup for a subpoena today, right? They just get everything that's in the iCloud backup and they can do whatever they want with it with, you know, very little just cause in many cases. So it's something to, you know, keep your eye on for sure. Like any other iOS feature could theoretically have, you know, exploits and vulnerabilities and stuff. But I don't think it's so exceptional that uh, it deserved so much backlash of, you know, as to what it got. Mm-hmm. Happy Hour This Week is brought to you by Mac Updater. Mac Updater is a simple Mac utility that scans your drive and finds all your installed apps and works out if they need updating or not. And you can then update them all with just one click. So if, like me, you've got a lot of apps installed in your Mac that aren't from the Mac App Store, you can use Mac Updater to get the same unified software update experience. And you can try it for free at corecode.io slash happy hour. And, you know, it's more than just a single update button. There's a load of options and configuration. If you don't want to update everything at once, you can click on each detected app. It will make a little list. And Mac Update actually pulls in the release notes for each of those applications. You can see if you want to install the new version or not. And Mac Update has version information for more than 60,000 apps. And the 6,000 most popular ones can be updated with a single click. Uh, Mac Mac Update can be used as a standalone app or as a menu bar utility. I tried it out and I was, you know, generally like surprised and impressed. It found apps on my system that had updates that I'd honestly forgotten I even had installed. Uh, <laughs> the scan was really fast and some of those apps I, I did actually update from that because I kind of forgot they existed. But now when next time I go to use them, they'll actually be up to date already. And one thing I really appreciate is that when you install it for the first time, it asks you up front if you want to do a manual scan or do you want to do the scheduled updates automatic experience. So you know, if you're a bit concerned about this, like on this web utility, like mucking up your system or updating something with, you know, you don't want to, or it's just going to install a load of like spammy launch agents and stuff like that. You don't have to even worry about that. You can just press the manual option at setup and use it that way. It's it's really nice that they give you that choice up front. And Mac update, it can be tried for free. And it's a one-time purchase to unlock all the features, which adds other stuff like more detection support, support for audio plugin recognition, preference panes, quicklet plugin updates, and 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 more. So download Mac Updater today at corecode.io slash happy hour. And when you're ready to buy the full version, you can get 10% off using our promo code happy hour q3. Once again, that's corecode.io slash Mac Updater and use promo code happy hour q3 when you buy. Thanks to Mac Updater and Corecode for sponsoring the show. 
Yeah, you know, Mayo, it doesn't seem like it's been a year or even 11 months since the last iPhone came out. Yet here we are, on <laughs> Well, wait, it didn't. It wasn't a year. It came out late last year. Yeah, you're one month offset, right? Uh-huh, yeah. So we really are in this a little, little, uh, a smaller window of time. But uh, Bloomberg has some new information this week on the iPhone 13. Um, some of what to expect. Um, the, the the way it was laid out was like here are the features, and then it was like I, th- I think there's a description that was like modest update or, or you know. Um, made it seems one. I was like, oh, that, that sounds like a lot of stuff, though. <laughs> so yeah, like um, that's Mark's. You know, it was Mark Gaiman article, right? And his his obviously like editorial there was there was a, a modest update, and I guess that depends on what you're comparing it to, right? Like, yeah. I mean, compared to we'll we'll talk about the the specific like leak in a second, but if you just think of the overall rumors for the phone, I don't think it's that different from the iPhone 12, really. Like in terms of year of stuff, like the, the external design isn't changing. The design didn't change loads last year. You know, they flattened the edges and stuff. It wasn't like a huge crazy thing. It was not like going to the iPhone 10 from the iPhone 8 or the iPhone 7, you know? like It, it changed enough for me, though, that I'm still in the way that the iPhone 10 felt great for at least two or three years. Um, this design is different enough that it seems like, okay, we've, we're not stuck with the iPhone 10 design in the way that we were stuck with the iPhone um, 6 design. Yeah. No, it's true. Like, design updates always have a bit more um, glamour and sheen to them and, like, credo because they just it just does look different right? it's the classic samsung ad how do people know if they're updated if it looks the same like like that is a thing right and it and it's cool when you know and cool and fresh when it looks different uh but you compare and this and these ones are not going to look different they're going to look industrially designed the same well, same four sizes make a, same make a camera make a, yeah the camera the camera bumps getting bigger and the lenses are getting bigger and stuff. On board. um but if you compare it to like i don't know the 10s the 11 series you know what i mean like i don't think i think year over year it probably compares pretty favorably to the, those the 10S like was it, most modest the, the the biggest change on the 10s is that it had a um a, a larger version yeah like, i guess they they traded a lot on just adding the max size that year yeah, right yeah i mean especially if it has the promotion display i'll be i'll be like that's more than a modest update in my book so <laughs> is it is this more or less modest than the iphone uh to iphone 3g or the 3g to 3gs yeah, I mean, like you compare it to the three G to three GS, that's pretty modest, right? Like, <laughs> we, need, we need a modesty scale to, to measure these things in, so it can be more, you know. I, I think Apple's going to have. I don't think Apple's going to have a problem selling these. Let me put it that way. Like the iPhone twelve still doing good. This will just, uh, at worst, it will sell as well as the. You know, it will sell a bit less than the iPhone twelve did, which means it will still be doing well. You know, mm-hmm. uh, is it the most exciting year? Well, no, but it's not terrible. Like I think it's like pretty average. Uh, I wouldn't call it modest. I call it like normal. I don't know. That's the thing, though. Like, if a, if if every year you consider modest, then I guess that's normal as well. Do you know what I mean? That's that's, then it's yeah. an equivalency. This is the, the the sequel to the iPhone that came out just ten months ago. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so this report was specifically about uh, the kind of camera system, and Mark basically framed it as that the iPhone 13 Pro and the iPhone 13 Pro Max, so the two higher end models, right? The the big like differentiation on those will be uh, like camera upgrades with new features for shooting video and when taking photos. So uh, the first one is supposedly going to be the addition of portrait mode when shooting video. So obviously portrait mode was uh, first released with the iPhone 7 Plus in 2016 when you take mm-hmm. a video, so it puts the bokeh blur on it. Uh, that same kind of system's been, you know, continued since that time they've made the algorithms better so it's you know they added the portrait lighting effect but it's still static photography right so supposedly this year they're gonna amp it up and do it for video as well so when you shoot video you'll get the synthetic blur uh i mean they in a way they've already announced this uh for facetime right because they already you know as part of ios 15 you can put a background blur on facetime or any third party uh, video app for that matter but Mm -hmm. i'm sure the uh the algorithms they use to generate the portrait video will be of high quality and it will look yeah. better, you know. Usually with a FaceTime call, you're kind of stationary, whereas with the video, you might be uh, moving around a bit more. It's just app. Uh, I, don't, I haven't tried it out, but it's, it's folk. I don't know how you say it. Focus. It's F-O-C-O-S-S live. Focus live. And it, it purports to do portrait mode video uh, on the iPhone. This is from last year. So. Yeah, and Android phones have this kind of thing. Like, they they have mixed you can tell like let me put it that way like some some photos that you take with portrait mode on your iPhone today right most people they can't even tell like 
it just looked good, you know? Like, they, they, they do a really good job with it. The image is static. The blur fits in really well. Of course, you get the times when there's that big patch of where it's gone wrong and it hasn't detected the outline properly. But quite often nowadays, if you take a blur photo, a blur picture, you show that to people or you show that to yourself. You're like, that looks really good. Mm-hmm. I've seen Android phones and stuff do this portrait video thing. And it's still on the spectrum of like that versus the zoom blurred background yeah. <laughs> filter yeah. is closer to the zoom filter. Like just the, the fact that everything's always moving, it makes it a lot more obvious that like the actual bokeh is synthetic rather because yeah. you only need like one frame to be wrong or misdetected and then it breaks the illusion for like the entire duration, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Maybe Apple can do a good job of it, uh, especially if they're going to like combine the uh, sensors, like the LiDAR scanner as well. And actually, uh, I can't remember if we talked about this on the show or not, but back in like March, uh, Alika for Max Weinbach, he said that Portrait Mode this year would be using new algorithms that incorporate data from the LiDAR scanner as well as the um, photo cameras, right? So theoretically, they might have a new system which actually improves the quality of Portrait Mode in general and then also apply that to uh, video. Yeah. I mean, it's cool. I'm sure we'll try it out when it gets here, but yeah, I, mean, I, I remain a little skeptical on how well it's going to like. Because I, I, you know, like the first year of Portrait Mode, the F7 Plus, it was a bit more touch and go than what it is today, right? Just in terms yeah. of oh, the ability yeah. to actually do it well and it make it look convincing. A lot more miss and hit. A lot more miss and hit. And I think this will be like somewhere in between. So it won't be like the iPhone 7, but it might be like what it was like in the iPhone 8 experience. You know, like, so it won't be as good as portrait photos today, but it won't be as bad as what it shipped with originally. I'd expect it to be somewhere in the middle on, on the scale of video I'm talking about specifically. Yeah, right. Uh, um, back in 2017, even, um, our colleague Michael, Michael Steeper wrote a, um, a kind of in-depth piece on here's how future iPhones could use camera depth data to create impressive portrait mode videos. And uh, in that, he sort of posits that you could, you could potentially do um, some, some cool tricks. Like uh, if you have a tilt-shift lens on a traditional camera, you can take a picture of something gigantic and it'll mess with the scale enough that it looks like the, the one thing that's really in focus is looks like a like a toy model version of it. So we've done that with rockets before, and um, you know it, it's I, I'm familiar with that also from like then Instagram's old, like ori- one of the original edit tools is to do a tilt shift effect where it's like focus in the center and then blur on top and bottom and left and right and you move it. Um, so so any of those features to bring um, some more creativity to the the video side, I think would be would be really cool. Um, so I, I'm, I'm here for it. Even if it isn't great, you know, you can always turn it off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then do you remember last year, this, this kind of like was so relevant that it dropped out my mind, but one of the, uh, non-modest updates for the iPhone 12 <laughs> pro was that you could shoot pro raw photography and Dolby vision video, right? Uh-huh. Have you ever used pro raw? Uh, when it first came to the phone to make sure it worked. Okay, but yeah. not not like in day-to-day life. No. Yeah. That's I don't have a 12, but I would be in the exact same boat. And people who I know who shoot with traditional cameras all the time, you know, unless you're enthusiastic about it, then they're like, well, it's not really raw. Or, or, yeah. Know, it's, it's raw with that. It's like, it's, it's, it's just an iPhone camera. Why do you care about raw? So um, it, it's one of those features where I'm sure there's folks in the middle ground there who love it. But um, me, I, I'm, I've turned off. Remember, remember when night mode was brand new? I guess that was mm-hmm. really 11. And one of my complaints was that you do miss some shots in the dark that you would have had otherwise because it wants to blow out the picture first before you can tap and adjust it. And every single time you got to tap and adjust it. Um, in iOS 15 beta, uh, there are, there's a toggle to, you, you can always sort of change the creative controls for the camera to, to either preserve them or reset each time. And they now have one to save uh, night mode. So every time you open your, your camera, you can have night mode be off if that's what you prefer. And that wasn't possible before. So I'm, I'm, that's something that I, I'm actually find effective. Um, but I, I keep night mode off. Uh, I've even been doing live photos selectively lately. Um, and- oh no, you're not one of those. Like you got to keep the live photos. Yeah, you, There's no downside. Is there not? Is it the actual, the, 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 the photo that's taken is identical quality, whether you've got a live photo on front, on the front and back yeah. of it or not. Feels like it takes a little longer though. I mean, it has to. It's, it's doing other stuff. But anyway, uh, I, I mean, I, I was complaining about the camera. It was, that was a big problem. I felt like with the 11 series yep. of phones was that the camera was just like over resourced or under resourced for all it was doing. 
Um, that's, that's probably where I got in the habit was to make the camera do fewer things. Uh, cause every time you open the camera, all your other apps would reset. Like you go to open Safari right after the camera and it would just be all your tabs would refresh. How, how is it on the 12? Cause I obviously have the 11 Pro and I have that I camera thing where it just destroys the RAM like I, constantly. I yeah, I haven't noticed in the way that I did before. Like before, it would interfere with multitasking in a big way. Yep. Uh, it could quit a podcast and you had to like reopen it. Um, some apps would just crash or, or they wouldn't reopen in the background. They, they'd reopen from scratch. Uh, I have not noticed it with the, with the 12. Uh, and it's one of those things where just by not having it run into it, I never thought about it until you mentioned it. Um, but, but they also added fe- features, uh, to, to, process photos faster if you if you're doing continuous shots um so that might help out as well but but i've i've tried to make my camera and the iphone dumb but not not too dumb where i use pro pro raw photos well with the iphone 13 you cannot use pro res (laughs) (laughs) so uh well pro res is like a video format that's existed for literally like decades right Uh, apple invented it for like final Cut pro 1.0 back in 2002 and a lot of professional cameras actually shoot in ProRes directly. And people edit in ProRes, like I think MPKBHD edits in ProRes because it works with Final Cut, et cetera, et cetera. Well, with the iPhone 13 Pro models, you'll be able to record in ProRes format for the first time. Uh, so if you want to be more of a professional video, maybe get some high-quality uh, output, obviously at the expense of file size, you can shoot in ProRes. And what would be really nice is if they like added Final Cut to the iPad or something, and then you could edit the ProRes video on iOS as well. Uh, but there's no rumor about that. Just the fact that you better record it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's something that it's like I'd say it's as niche as Pro Raw Raws, to be honest, because sure. like people, people just aren't going to do it. Yeah, and then yeah. on the camera side, uh, German said Apple is planning a new filter system that will improve uh, color reproduction. So there are filters in the camera app today, right? They're the same ones that have been in there since I think like iOS seven. And they just like apply like a color adjustment to the whole picture. So you can have like vibrant or soft. It's kind of like old Instagram filters, you know, like trendy Instagram filters from like 10 years ago. That's kind of what you get in the camera app. Uh, what German says they're going to roll out as part of the iPhone 13 is a new like upgraded filter system that will be smarter and precisely apply changes to objects and people. So not just like applying the same color adjustment to the whole image uni- uniformly. It'll be able to like, Almost like how HDR works, like you know, pick out the different subjects in the picture and adjust it. So, and adjust it in different ways. So you might be able to like adjust the skin tones without changing the background or keeping the skin tones constant while making the whole image a bit warmer or something. Uh, he says that this will be like automatic, but then the user will be able to like tweak it as well. So I kind of imagine this sort of like portrait lighting where you get you know one of those little um, like slidery thingies and it has like six options. And yeah. while you're taking a picture, you can slide along and you can pick one. And you can shoot like that. And maybe you can like edit it after the fact, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, that, that sounds pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there's like six colored ones and then three black and white ones. And I never use the color ones because they, like you said, they, they feel Instagram style. Um, they never seem to enhance the picture. And then the black and white ones, they are different enough, each one, that I have used those versus just like edit the photo and turn off all the color. Um, but of course you can do way more with controls when you just edit it and take out the color and adjust different things than, than if you apply a filter, although I guess a filter is faster, but, um, huh. Make, making filters cool again, I guess. Well, iPhone 13. <laughs> yeah, Instagram needs a, needs a new update. New, that'll be the new status symbol is that you filter your photos with only, uh, filters available on the new phone. Then everyone will know that you upgraded for the modest new feature. <laughs> Happy Hour This Week is also brought to you by ExpressVPN. When you're out and about, VPNs are super important to make sure that all of your network traffic is secure wherever you are, wherever you're browsing. Attacks on unsecured public Wi-Fi are surprisingly common, and it's so easy for hackers to scan the traffic, get your data, and sell it on the black market. And you can use VPNs to evade geographic content blocks on websites too. So if you live in the EU, like me, it's still kind of insane how many websites just block access if they detect you're coming from an EU country. Well, ExpressVPN can get around that for you. Here's why ExpressVPN is the best VPN on the market. It doesn't log your activity. You probably hear about VPNs everywhere. They advertise all sorts of stuff. But what they don't tell you is that many free or cheap VPNs actually make money by selling your data to advertisers. Uh, ExpressVPN doesn't do this. They even use a technology called Trusted Server to make sure that their VPN servers are incapable of storing any data at all. And not only is ExpressVPN secure, it's also super fast. ExpressVPN now uses a new protocol called Lightway, 
It's a VPN protocol that they actually engineered to make their user speeds faster than ever. Uh, I've tried other VPNs in the past, and when you're using this, pretty obvious because stuff is slow to download, latency is high, that kind of thing. But ExpressVPN is really blazing fast, and you can stream videos in HD quality with no buffering at all. And ExpressVPN is also very easy to use. You don't need technical skills. You just launch the app, and you tap one button, and boom, all of your network traffic is encrypted and protected. You can set it up on your own devices, and it's just as easy for your kids or your parents to do. And in fact, you could even set up ExpressVPN on a Wi-Fi router so that anyone that connects to your Wi-Fi when they come over are automatically protected with ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is rated the number one VPN provider by us, CNET, The Verge, and many other tech websites. So protect yourself with the VPN that I trust. You can use our link expressvpn.com slash happy hour today and get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash happy hour. Once more, visit expressvpn.com slash happy hour to learn more and sign up. Wi-Fi router, ExpressVPN. <laughs> All right. That will never get out the, the British-American <laughs> divide on the, on the pronunciation of router. <laughs> I'm just not mature enough to accept it. Uh, iOS 15, uh, AirPods. What's what's changing here? Is I know I know that one of your things to complain about is how bad Find My with AirPods is. I can attach to that from just this past week alone. Um, is it is it going to be good? Is it getting better? I think it's going to be closer to an AirTag like experience. Okay. So uh, Felipe Esposito actually found. I think they kind of like summarized this in the WWC keynote, but the features weren't enabled, and we didn't really know like to what extent it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, our colleague Felipe has done some digging, and in the current beta. They've added sort of like some assets and stuff so we can get an idea of what's going on. And so at least AirPods Pro and AirPods Max are going to be able to be paired to your Apple ID. Uh, so And they'll be able to use Bluetooth to kind of ping nearby, find my stuff, and locate them on a map. So just like an AirTag would, right? You won't have the uh, U1 experience because they don't have U1 chips inside them. But the general like actually finding where they are uh, might actually work <laughs> if you're using uh the AirPods Pro, AirPods Max with iOS 15, because the current feature in of AirTags in Find My, they show like all the UI as if they're like completely independent GPS devices, but all of the features require the case to be open and you to be in like direct Bluetooth range. It won't proxy of other people's devices. It has to be your phone directly next to the air to the AirPods to them make a sound or maybe locate them. Like pretty limited, and the air, the the Find My app doesn't have any label or anything at all to like signify that this is different to every other device right mm-hmm. so with iOS 15 they're hopefully going to bring it uh, more in line uh, one thing that was really funny is that obviously now that it's paired to your Apple ID they also have to add a, like a you know an escape hatch if you want to unpair it so you can give AirPods to your friends or something to, to repair them again and I don't know if you've noticed Zach but AirPods don't have many buttons on them <laughs> <laughs> so they've had to they've had to go through a bit of a hoop to get it to work. So for AirPods Max, it's not a problem. You just hold the noise cancellation button along with the digital crown uh, for uh, you know about 10, 12 seconds, and then I'll unpair the headphones from the Apple ID. But for AirPods Pro, you have to press the you know the fake button on the stem multiple times. But that's not enough because that could just be like toggling noise cancellation mode. So how do they know? Well, their solution they've come up with with the absence of other buttons is while pressing the stem you have to cover the two speaker holes with your other fingers. <laughs> How do you do that? Uh, I mean, I guess yeah. you do two-handed. You, like, clamp it over your fingers and then you spam the button. I don't. I, I, if I was closing my eyes and they were in my ears, I couldn't... I don't know where the speaker holes would be. There's one on the back. Yeah. And then there's one on the top. Well, you, you, the good news is you shouldn't do it on accident. Yeah, and as uh, shown in this article, Apple will put an animated graphic on the screen so they it will tell you where to press or where yeah, to cover. That's good. It's just such a funny... You, might <laughs> like, to have you can just imagine the engineers being like, we need like a get out clause, but we, we only have one button and we already use double tap, long press, press thingy. Like, what are we going to do? Oh, uh, we'll just detect the air pressure through the speaker. <laughs> but anyway, that was cool. And uh, third gen AirPods, please come out soon. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're rocking AirPods uh, second generation. Second generation, which are pretty old at this point. Yeah, well, yeah. You know what you should buy is AirPods Max. They're really good. Uh, we're not going to have this conversation this no, week. No, we are. I use them every single day. I love them so much. <laughs> uh, 
I use them so much that I'm that I've like all the initial um, you know cl- clear uh, critiques like oh it charges with lightning not USB C or favorably somehow wirelessly um, never never noticed that anymore because you know you just build a habit um, it, it, I don't know what else the complaints were but I don't they're expensive that was a the, complaint the price yeah, yeah yeah after a few months you forget how much you paid for them was <laughs> there. Um, I I think I I think I need different I think I need a spare set of cups though cuz the I like to wear them to the gym and get in like sweaty and then like I wash the little cups afterwards and uh, then they take forever to dry so I think I might need like a, another pair of cups but other than that they're wonderful you should buy some And Zach do you want to talk about your kind of experience with the M1 iMac and macOS Monterey for you know like you've had it for what a couple of weeks now yeah, I was thinking we could talk more about you buying AirPods Max. You really should. Uh, I, I, you know, if they're on more of a discount, maybe around Christmas, I'll, I'll seriously consider it. But okay, okay. I've got to buy the laptop. I've got, to, I've got other priorities first. I've got, to, okay. I've got to wait to see how much Apple's going to wreak my wallet for the M1X MacBook Pro I desperately need. Don't you, don't you have a credit? Don't you have a the trade-in for the Mac Mini developer kit? Yeah, I mean, that's going to get shooped up by my four grand laptop or whatever it's gonna be <laughs> okay okay yeah so uh i i mac and monterey um let's see so uh i, I don't know if I, I mean i told you that i really wanted like on the day of purchase i really wanted silver um and i, I don't know if i meant i think i mentioned also that i went out of my way to buy it like further than i would have to go for blue mm-hmm. um, but also blue would have been 50 dollars cheaper because amazon had it for 50 dollars off not silver but blue and I could have price matched it uh, in the store and saved 50 bucks. But I was like, no, I'm going to try further and get silver. And I'm very happy I did. Um, it just, it, 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 it works with me. Um, looks the, it makes the LG monitor next to the, the iMac look not as bad because it's not like a cool color. And then, and then, you know, this PC looking monitor. Um, but, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, happy with the color, no complaints there. Um, the, the uh, I I didn't get the trackpad when I bought it, but now you know since I purchased it, they they do have um, the the trackpad sold separately. You can I, I could even do the Touch ID keyboard if I really wanted to. Um, that that's got to be one of those things where like I'm really bored with purchases one day and just need to do that because I'm pretty 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 uh, reliant on the just hold the side button on your on your watch thing or double click the side button for your passcode. So that's that's useful. Um, and all in all, like I say, I, I I don't see the side very much to appreciate how thin it is. Um, I have a it's twenty four inches. I have a twenty one and a half inch LG ultra fine monitor next to it. Um, I currently have an experience where if I, if I wake up from screensaver, the external monitor stays dark, and I I think that's probably a Monterey thing. Um, although I guess this is the first time I'm using an M one with the built in display plus another one. Um, <laughs> and you know that's maxing it out, right? <laughs> yeah, that's 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 really faking it far. Um, so, but but otherwise, it's it's really great. Uh, the the at first the thing like it was so weird. You know, I, I used the iPad Pro exclusively for like two and a half months, three months, and um, the first thing I wanted to do when I got on the on the iMac was like bring back some of that muscle memory from the iPad, um, including like putting the. I don't, I don't use the Launchpad icon in the dock to, to open Launchpad, you know, which, which I do use Launchpad, um, but I don't use it from the dock. Uh, I use like a hot corner for it. But, mm-hmm. but I was so used to the iPad that I put the Launchpad all the way to the right of the dock because it's like, that's where my muscle memory is to see all the apps on this device after using iPad OS 15 um, with, uh, with app library. So, um, but I, I guess I've since kind of come back into the you know, muscle memory of using a Mac and um it's it's not mac it, it's not really mac os versus ipad os um I, I i do find myself wasting time a lot with like resizing windows just out of like i don't know like a nervous nervous thing to do and like you know in your free time it's like and not free time but like when you're procrastinating something it's like oh let me just carefully move these windows in a certain arrangement that i like where on the ipad of course is like made for you um and, and i've there's some things I like better about the iPad still when I, when I, um, when I go out, when I'm not working from home, I, it's, it's my internet, it's my internet access, you know, my job access. And so, um, I'm, it's still getting plenty of use. 
And, um, but, but the big thing with the, with the, the Mac is just 24 inches <laughs> and, and then on, and, and then to go to see this place. Cause I was using this, this, uh, LG 4K display with the iPad, but it was of course pillar boxed and, um, you know, that, that it, can, it was just one display. Now I've got two, no pillar boxing. Um, and, and I'm, I'm enjoying it. So it's, it's, it's practically, I mean, this is the desktop and there are things that you can do with the desktop that you just can't do with a laptop, like to reliably have it always on at home, no matter where you go. Um, and so I've done the thing where I've got a four terabyte Thunderbolt drive attached, which has got all of my photos and videos locally. And, um, and, and so that's useful. So I do have that offsite version or, or, or you know, off iCloud backup of um, my photo library, which is nice. Um, and then I've also got, you know, time machine backup. So there's of that as well. So um, those are the kind of things that are neat for me. And then like, I guess um, any, anything that's too big for the built-in SSD, because uh, I, I just went for the base storage, which I think is 256. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just put on that, that external drive and it's just always attached. And, you know, with, with a laptop, you can maybe do that with a dock, but it's then, then when you open your photo library without that attached to it, you don't have one. Um, so it's just some nice things. That, oh, and also just like running, uh, page trackers in Chrome. Um, you know, th- there's no concept of battery life with a desktop, of course. And so, um, you, you don't care how many resources you use. So, uh, those are just like general Mac things. And, and the fact is like you could, just couldn't buy, uh, an iMac in recent years that you felt like this isn't going to be the last one before they get good again, you know, or like before they have a new look at least. And this one, you know, it's, it's the new look of the iMac and, um, and it's, it looks nice. It looks nice on my desk. So, <laughs> um, I'm still plenty happy with it with Monterey. Um, man, it's, it's hard to think of even what's different on Monterey. I like the, I like the desktop wallpaper. I like the screensaver, which is hello. Uh, Safari. Yeah. Safari. I reverted back. I gave it a fair shot, just like on the iPad, of like, what is the compromise UI for Safari tabs and the address bar, where the address bar is one line and all tabs are another line. And I, I really did just go back to uh, the compact version, because when I have a lot of tabs open as their own bar, they're getting squished anyway. And so I think it looks better to be squished next to the address bar, not not a whole row of squished icons that you can't make much sense of. Um so uh, I, I, I like that. I remember back when, like, if you had so many tabs open, you would get a double arrow at the end of the row, and then you click that, and there'd be a list of the remaining tabs open. Mm-hmm. Now we're just like they all fit. You scroll in between them. You know, you hover over. You, you hover over them. You see more. Um, we, we've come. We've. I don't know if we've come a long way, but we've come to a different place at least. Well, I don't want to um, get you too uh, disheartened, but on the latest macOS Monterey beta, uh-huh. they've buried the setting to change the compact mode even deeper <laughs> well as long as i can dig it up it's cool yeah so at least in at least in this bay area it still exists but they have made it harder to find okay and then uh have you used universal control oh wait it's still not enabled no, i can't do, can't do that 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 seems to me like a feature that might get bumped from uh the point zero yeah if it's not a bit in a beta and it's already beta five like you've literally got beta six or it's it's not coming out I don't know how much I'll use that too, and I like the I like the about universal control that you're controlling the iPad user interface instead of having your iPad become a really small Mac interface. Yeah, um, but still, twelve twelve point nine inches, thirteen inches is kind of, kind of a small experience when you're working with you know twenty four inch monitor. It's, it's like to have similar sizes is really useful. Um, but well, maybe you could just like run your Twitter feed on the iPad screen. Like in a little dock, and you like that's probably what I do if I bought a new iPad or whatever. And mm-hmm. I, you know, when I'm uh, you know using my actual laptop doing work during the day, I just have the iPad off to the left, and then if it's running Twitter or whatever, then I can just you know, if Jimmy the Universal Control works seamless enough, I just drag the mouse over and control it when I need to you know retweet or scroll or do anything else. The, the new iMac is really easy to move around. <laughs> it's not heavy. <laughs> I know, but it's like it's it's like a fake second screen, right? Like, or a fake third screen, like a, it's like a little like thing off to the side that you you, you know you might want to dabble about with it or not. It's a cool demo. It is a cool demo. That is that is a hundred percent the main reason they did it because it looks yeah. cool. And the alignment trick where they know which direct they look at which direction you're moving a window and they assume okay your iPad is that direction of of the Mac you're using like that I think that's really clever. Um, but if I've got like my my iPad in, in, in front of me 
And then between the two monitors that are like a little further behind it, I don't think you're quite, I don't think that trick's going to work quite as well. Um, you know, I think you're going to have to, to break a little bit of that metaphor for you. Yeah, I think I think they said there's like a second screen for it. So if, if your setup isn't like in the, you know, the, the common case, you can do it manually in the screen so you can tell it where the stuff is. Yeah. So, but I think for most people, it's just going to be to the left or to the right, right? So, yeah. What else is new in Monterey? Um, live the text, I guess. The Siri icon's better. It's, it's a pretty Siri icon. Not, not, yeah. Not to put you got the text, you got the, uh, text room images stuff. Yeah. Um, so struggling to think of anything else, to be honest. <laughs> that's a feature that's, you know, compatible with, with the new iOS features. So, uh, Monterey's small, I think. You could call, how about this? That you can call Monterey modest. You could, good. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had the, like the the feature page bookmarked, and I don't, it's not it's not in my tab group anymore. I think I destroyed my tab group. And well, I feel like if you can't remember, then it kind of shows like re- being able to f- retell the features off your head. That's like what defines what stuff actually relevant or not, right? Yeah. They have they they talk about FaceTime changes, which obviously you know across all the platforms. Uh, uh, they talk those those, but, those those come in handy. I've, I've like I said, I use group FaceTime uh, every day almost. Um, and the the new features where you uh, focus on just your voice is is useful on every device is on. And and, and the and the blurring effect is, you know, I, I leave it off, but uh, it's it's there. Um, the spatial audio experience. I'm pretty sure that my experience was a group FaceTime call. Spatial audio was working because the people the people who were speaking um, presented on the left of the screen were coming out of sort of the left speaker and the right of the screen with the right speaker. And it gave it kind of a sense of place. But I just thought that I had like a busted speaker because I was like, I'm only hearing from this one side. And then, then I realized what was happening. Um, that, that's a, that's a thing. There's a tips app on Monterey. If you use that. <laughs> a tips app? A tips app according to this. I, I now see, according to this, I now see, uh, I see my iMac as an AirPlay target. So that's- yes, actually, no. That is actually something I'm looking forward to, to be yeah. honest. Because I like I like being able to like AirPlay to my Mac, and there's so many third party apps that exist. It's like, come on, just just build it in Apple, and they've, they've finally done it. Yeah, yeah. It's in the same room as my TV, so it's not not being used much right now. But if it were in its own room, I think it would be would be useful. Um, hmm. Mm. And focus modes, that's the other thing, isn't it? Cause that, yeah, cause yeah. Fun. But there's not, there's not really that much that's like Mac specific this year, I'd say. Yeah, there's, there's Safari, there's Focus. There's, uh, I guess quick note, you can you can view those, but that's just not the same as the way it is on the... Um, and, and you can bring them up from Safari, but I mean, the iPad, like quick note is one of my favorite things. I saw our friend Stephen Chanton Smith hates it because of the gesture. He brings it in by accident all the time. Um, I love it. I don't have a, an issue with it. Huh. Yeah, it's a heck of an update. <laughs> yeah, I, I call this one modest. How about that? Yeah, airplane. Air, yeah, I really want to surprise people with some feature we forgot. But, uh, yeah, there really isn't much. Map, maps, uh, pri- there's privacy built in now. That's- the best thing you can say about Monterey is it has all the iOS and iPad features, right? Like, do, they haven't uh, like left stuff out. Low power mode works great on my iMac. <laughs> <laughs> it's wonderful. Uh, huh. Anyway, Monterey's fine, even if yeah. you might not know it. Monterey's fine. Monterey, yeah. Apart from Safari, but, uh, <laughs> is it is it worth it? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want Safari for AirPlay? <laughs> yeah. Can you put up with Safari to get AirPlaying target on as the Mac? That's that's the that's the ultimate equation. This would not have been the year to go from ten to eleven for the version number. <laughs> that is true. That is very true. <laughs> All right. If you're stressing about Safari or just anything else in general, you know life is hard normally, but. The pandemic keeps raging on and we we still aren't quite out of the woods. If you feel strained or just not as happy as you do normally, sometimes you just want to talk to someone about it, someone who is trained about mental health and lifestyle. And BetterHelp is here to help. It lets you do just that from the comfort of your own home. BetterHelp assesses your needs to match you with a licensed professional therapist tailored to helping your personal well-being. Simply connect in a safe and crucially private online environment. After signing up, you can start communicating to a therapist in under 24 hours. This is not run-of-the-mill self-help. This is professional counselling done securely online. And you can access counsellors specialised in all sorts of areas like stress, anger, relationships, depression, sleep management, and so much more. You can start a conversation with your therapist at your own convenience. Just send them a message at any time. 
and the therapist responds in a timely manner and you can schedule sessions like weekly video chats or phone calls if you want to as well. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counselling and financial aid, financial aid options are available. And of course, everything that you talk about is 100% private and confidential. To start living a happier life today, as a listener to this show, you can get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash hour. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash MacHappyHour. Betterhelp.com slash M-A-C-H-A-P-P-Y-H-O-U-R. Thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring the show. BetterHelp. Oh, let's see what we have here. Apple's home strategy is uh, got, got a big morale boost in turn. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we talked about Apple needs like a round table for the living room. That's a good idea. That was a good idea. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem like it's going to be happening. Because uh, around the fireplace. In, uh, again, we're doing a Mark Gurman story in his Paron newsletter, which is pretty good. You should subscribe to it. Uh, he talked about the Apple TV. He called the Apple TV pointless. I would uh, reject that complaint. The only the biggest criticism that I can wield against the Apple TV is it's too expensive. Like well, it, was, it was a modest update from the previous. <laughs> <laughs> the Apple TV is like fine, right? It's too expensive, but you compare it to Roku and Chromecast and stuff. Like it's a nice, it is nice. It just the Apple TV is in a better position than the HomePod was in when it first came out. Mm. We love the HomePod, but we're super in this, you know, world. Yeah, I'd say the Apple TV is in a better position. Okay, just mainly because the like, it's. I know it's expensive, but it's not three fifty. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think the HomePod and the Apple TV give me like equal joy, but one of them's a lot cheaper than the other one, so that's how it kind of sticks out in my head at least. More recently, I would say that like the new Google TV, uh, I can't remember what they call it. It's like Google TV with Chromecast, new Chromecast with Google TV. Like that product is fifty dollars, and it's actually very competitive to the Apple TV. Like before the before that came out, I was like, look, if you want the best, you get the Apple TV and you stump up the price, right? But the Google TV is pretty good and it's a lot cheaper. Like if the Apple TV could drop to like ninety nine dollars, four K, the four K version, Apple could sail on that as its home strategy for a long time. But for whatever reason. They refuse to, so it sells for $179, which is just ridiculous. Uh, what Mark says is that he was talking to some like Apple engineers and about the living room, about Apple's plans. Uh, he says that engineers tell him the company doesn't have a strong living room hardware strategy in the works and there isn't much internal optimism, which is a little disappointing because even if you don't think the status quo is very good, it doesn't sound like it's going to change anytime soon. The previously uh, rumored thing, which is like the Apple TV, HomePod, FaceTime combo thing, you know, like the soundbar, Apple TV, uh, that is apparently in development, but that is not going to be coming out until 2023, which is quite a while away. Like you've got, you know, another year, two years with the current Apple TV living room proposition, which doesn't quite feel good enough. So, and even when that thing does come out, it might have the HomePod problem where it's like really expensive and people don't buy it because of that, you know? Like, it could be great, but it could be... If they're going to combine HomePod, speaker, Apple TV, FaceTime unit, you know? If that comes out at like $500 and people don't go to it, then they might as well have not made it in the first place and you're just stuck with looking at the puck box. Yeah. You know, you know what I like about macOS Monterey? <laughs> yeah? <laughs> Your photos stack up in the cool, in the cool collage thing. I like messages. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's a and you can catalyst messages one, for you. You can do one click download to to send a photo to your photos library. The thing you cannot do quickly uh, is when you're uh, in Finder and you want to pull photos from Finder. Um, you can't you can't easily get your photo library to to show up. So <laughs> that's a Mac problem because I heard other Mac people talking about it in my, in my life recently, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's one of those things you just accept is that that doesn't doesn't really work. Uh, but yeah, yeah, message is the biggest new feature in in, uh, in Monterey. Any, any other living room comments? I know we've talked about it at length before. So. All right, you don't. Um, uh, I don't. I, I don't. Uh, after the the WWDC keynote, that was kind of like had like a a, 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 a home kit section of sorts. Um, I, I remember coming away feeling like, well, that wasn't really the 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 roundtable I wanted or you know looked for. Um, so so this is just more uh, kind of water on the on the fire of of warm home kit good news. You know. 
we're not there yet. We know that, yeah. We know that. Because everyone's like, oh, it'll be different once Matter comes out. Matter is not is not going to matter. <laughs> like for, for any brand specifically, like, the whole idea there is it's kind of agnostic of what brand. Um, would you would you recommend uh, Apple Apple HomeKit as as a, someone get, just getting into smart home uh, stuff now? Yeah, it's going to still be supported. Like okay. I like HomeKit. If you can if you can find the accessories, it's yeah. fine. Like I don't have issues with it. It's you know all these smart home platforms they have weird little glitches sometimes and stuff. But I I use HomeKit lights. I I. I, I don't like go all out and have like everything in the entire house that could be smartified, smartified, but see, I want to no. be able to do that. And it's not been successful in the past. It's been, uh, it's been disappointing. Yeah. Well, I mean, that is something that matter will actually help with, right? Because there will just be more accessories that overall work with Apple devices, right? They'll be able to integrate with the home app. Uh, right now, the home kit, you know, the ecosystem's not terrible, but it is, you know, still smaller. But if you want lights and plugs and switches and stuff, they've got you covered, you know. Um, but then if you want, like, HomeKit blinds, the, your options are pretty thin on the ground unless you spend a lot of money or you get the IKEA blinds, right? Like, whereas yeah, if you look at Alexa blinds, there's 4,000 of them to choose from. That's kind of where the disparity comes in. I, th- I think my, my overall feeling is that when, when HomeKit was brand new and uh, iOS 8 or so, I, it, it, I mean, it was a very slow start. But then then it was kind of... The 1.0 of what you needed was there once the home app was there, and and more HomeKit stuff was becoming available. Um, and I had a feeling then it's like you know a lot of the stuff I got like I got to use for HomeKit were, were test units where I didn't have to you know invest my own money in those, and it was for evaluation purposes. And um, I, I kind of had the feeling of like you know it's I will certainly enthusiastically evaluate these things, but I I would be hesitant to spend my own money. I recommend people do this. Um, and once I got to like the, I felt like was like the best state of home kit. There's some, every room has something involved. Um, just, I felt like there was not, uh, enough there to, to make it worth the investment or, um, or if you feel like you, you know, just wait a few more years and everything's going to, you don't want to be outdated yet. So you don't want to buy like all the first gen stuff. Well, if you waited since I was eight to almost eight years later, we're really not, uh, to a point where you say that was worth the wait. Yeah, and I would not buy the first brands of Matter stuff. <laughs> I reckon, I reckon the devices would be buggy, and I reckon Apple's like implementation of it will have issues too. Like, yeah, Matter Two is going to fix everything. <laughs> like, it'll get there in a couple of years because even in iOS fifteen, the Matter support is labeled as like beta. Like, it's not, it's not ready to go. And the early, like, I'd say what, like the first year of when Matter is on sale, it's going to be like HomeKit, where there's very few things, you know, like. So it's going to be a while before the matter like ecosystem like levels out. But now I would have no if if you want to buy HomeKit stuff today, I'd no issue. Apple's not going to drop support for it. It'll carry on working for years and years and years. If like you're building the home the HomeKit the HomeKit like protocol, sorry the 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 matter protocol is like HomeKit but not proprietary. Like it's almost identical. So mm. Apple's not going to Apple's got no like you know resource or engineering motivation to just randomly drop HomeKit in a year. Like they'll carry on supporting that for ages. Uh, if you're building a new home, I think that's like the perfect time to, to think about HomeKit because if you can do it, all, like it's fun to do small things over time as a it's kind of a, a tech enthusiast. Um, but if you're just being like you don't really care about the tech, you just want to have the the, the experience be smoother. Um, I think that's like the perfect time is is you know you you're putting all your money in into to the to the house at the start, and then that's that's the house that you start with. So, uh, HomeKit, one day. I, yeah, I used to and, be so enthusiastic about it, you know. I was, <laughs> <laughs> I know, but it is cool. But like the evangelist for HomeKit, it is cool and it does work. But yeah, like yeah. it's not as. I guess the novelty wears off, right? And it's like I'll, I'll just turn on the lights by myself. <laughs> 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 like that's what we've basically boiled down to: using lights in the. In we have light switches that are HomeKit, love them, and then I have a couple of like desk fans that I control with them. Um, smart plugs, right? Yeah, the the, the original problem of. Um, to add smart features to something that exists already, you may need to give up some manual control that makes it less convenient um, in that way or for someone who isn't you who's enthusiastic about the smart home stuff. Um, and I don't think we, I mean, Lutron's like the biggest help there in terms of existing fans and lights, but um, there's still a whole lot of that, you know, a uh, company comes over, you have a guest, and you kind of got to explain how your house works, whereas it should be like your, your house is smart. So all of a sudden, like, Anyone can figure it out if they come in. Yeah, and you're and the the problem of 
you have to be like the tech guy to set it all up. It's still the case. Like, if I were, like, if I didn't live where I lived, the house wouldn't have smart stuff in it. That's just what happens, right? Like, it, it, you know, you have to have the motivation to do it, and it's not hard, but it's confusing enough that most normal people are never going to try, right? Like, or they'll they'll buy something in the shop because it looked cool, but then they won't have to like sit out properly or they'll like go to the home app add it and they'll just have it all in the default rooms they won't have them nicely separated out so you know a lot of the benefit you get of like turn off all the lights in the room turn off the lights downstairs when you set up all the zones and stuff like all that configuration and setup you know normal people aren't going to do that and in a perfect world siri or weather assistant or weather protocol would just understand all that stuff and just handle it for you instead of you having to like manually do it all. but that's not the, the world we live in yeah and, uh, and, and, and finally, I know you're, you're ready to spend uh, four grand on, <laughs> on, on a, on a computer. So what's, what's, what's coming? Yeah. This story has about no analysis to it, but it's about the Mavra Pro. <laughs> so I put it in China's yeah. Digitimes says that the 14 inch and 16 inch Mavra Pro have entered mass production with monthly shipments starting in August at around 600 to 800,000, 600,000 to 800,000 units a month between august and november so if it's going into mass production in august probably coming out in october so let's go baby let's you know, go i'm not in the market but um what would be really cool because this was rumored for earlier than it, it is going to end up being is if they announce it and you can like buy it at least the next week if not to say like if, buying the same day or the next day in a store is really hard i guess but it, there's, that's always the best feeling is when it's not sometime next month or the second half of next month, you know? Yeah, I mean, they like in my head, I've I've, I've got it labeled as October, right? Like mm-hmm. September, they're going to do Apple Watch, iPhone, maybe some iPad stuff. And then October, they'll have uh, the Halo lap. Yeah. So but- if they if they announce it in September, I'll be really happy. Uh, if it if they don't have an event to November, I'll be a bit annoyed but uh yeah. i've waited so long <laughs> at this point it, it's going to be september october or november so I, I'm, i'll take it as it comes yeah and, and by the way apple watch I'm, I'm still very excited and i've been uh not for the full month of august but for the last let's say uh five six days i've had a move streak going <laughs> Ooh, yeah. specifically going over to the gym and, and doing at least 30 minutes of elliptical and uh, makes it easier to diet and you know Hopefully, uh, return to return to the thing I started in 2017. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, and, uh, yeah, there we go. That's, that's the week. That's that's happy hour this week. The happy hour streak continues. It, it, well, yeah, I'm starting over at one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I was thinking last week when it was just like you know you you when you plan to be away, we do two episodes in one week and release it the next week after. When I plan to be away, I find out the day before and ask you if you can record yeah. for a second. It's like no, well, okay, well, we made it work. We made it yeah. work. Yeah. All right, that is the Happy Hour podcast for this week. You can send feedback to both uh, Mayo and I at Happy Hour at nine to five Mac dot com. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Apollo Zach. That's A P O C A P O L L O Z A C. There we go. You took a week off. You're not. You're not trained for it. <laughs> and Benjamin, you're on Twitter at B Z A Mayo. And we will be back next week. Bye bye. Bye bye.